Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from TrainingIndustry.com. Hello, and welcome to the season one finale of the Business of Learning, the Training Industry Podcast. I'm Taryn Aish, Managing Editor of Digital Content at TrainingIndustry.com. Hi, and I'm Scott Rutherford, Director of Marketing at Training Industry. Here at Training Industry, one of the roles we play is a connector between the buyer of training products, the training professional, and the services and the suppliers behind them that uh, serve the training industry. With that in mind, we're using our season finale to look at market trends in 2018, some of the big deals among suppliers, and some of the trends we saw that buyers need to know about. So in this episode, we'll talk to leaders from several different companies that had some big news in 2018, and also talk to Ken Taylor, the president of Training Industry, about what we see for the year of 2019. Our first guest is Scott Kirkpatrick, president and chief operating officer of General Assembly. All right. Well, Scott, thanks for coming out the business of learning. Uh, it's great to talk to you. Uh, we had some news from the General Assembly uh, in the spring of 2018 uh, when the uh, acquisition of General Assembly was uh, announced. Uh, you were acquired um, by the staffing firm ADECO um, for, I believe it was $412.5 million, which is a significant transaction. But before we get into talking about what that's meant for General Assembly, maybe you could take us through very quickly how General Assembly has evolved as a business um, since it was founded and, and over the past year. Excellent. Um, no, I really appreciate that. It's great to be, be with you, Scott and Karen. Uh, so General Assembly uh, was founded eight years ago as a co-working business in New York City. Um, so it, it has clearly evolved significantly since when we started and and even more over the last uh, year. But w- but even when we were a, a co-working space, uh, our, our true roots in DNA were always with, 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 with the future of work. In fact, our, our, our mission uh, is to empower uh, individuals to pursue the work they love. So, you know, we started as co-working and in our co-working space, we had a classroom, which was very unlike other co-working space. And the goal was for entrepreneurs to teach each other their craft. Um, and what we end up seeing, though, was as we had courses at night where you'd have members of the co-working space coming in and learning things like, hey, how do I bat- buy AdWords or how do I raise money? We saw that people from all over the New York community came, came, came to try to actually learn. And what we realized was there's a much bigger problem to solve of what you learn in school is not what's necessary for you to actually grow in your career. So we transitioned uh, to becoming an education and employment company and focused fully in education. Now, that, that has also changed in a number of ways uh, over the last eight years. And uh, even though we went to an education, our student mix had ch- has changed. The sources of payment for our services has changed. The topics we offer has changed. The learning modalities about how we, how we teach has, has also learned, has also changed. So from a student perspective, we started off with working with millennials with plenty of access to capitals in most of the tech centers on the globe. Now we're working with individuals all over the world now. They don't need to be in our, 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 our locations, and, they, and we're actually providing them new ways to access capital. And that's a big part of how our funding has changed. We used to be just a, a consumer pay only, but now we have students funded by uh, pretty cool financing things like income share agreements. We have a lot of folks that are funded by government subsidies, but most of uh, uh, the biggest change is probably the number of employers that are funding our programs. And so we're now working with the largest companies in the world to help them solve uh, their, their talent gaps. Our t- topics have also evolved. We started really focusing on web development 
Now we have a large range of offerings in the tech design, data marketing, and product space. And also our learning has changed as well. We started by just offering on-campus courses. Now we offer courses still on campus, but online as well as on company sites all over. And our, our courses are much more blended than they've ever been. There's always a mix of online and offline uh, as part of most of our programs. So it's, it's evolved a lot uh, in our existence. Now, you mentioned the the um, uh, increased role that uh, uh, companies are playing as a part of your, your client mix and bringing students uh, uh, as uh, employee students to you. Uh, how how do you see that uh, uh, interfacing with, with I, I would uh, infer, your uh, maybe longer standing strengths in, in uh, employee skills development, which, which in, the, uh, uh, in the corporate world, we've looked at, uh, at employee training as uh, sort of a, a continuum of pre-boarding, onboarding, and then uh, skills development. And it sounds like you're fitting into a couple of those categories. We are absolutely fitting into those, the, those categories. And, and it's especially when we think about, uh, you know, what we're doing with employees, we're, we're helping them source those employees, we're, we're, we're helping them uh, assess where those employees are, uh, we're also helping them actually do all of the upskilling and, and, and reskilling as well as the deployment of those uh, individuals. And, and as you could imagine, some of the, you know, ADECO's competencies work well in that model as well. Right. Uh, now, could you talk a little bit, Scott, um, about this uh, acquisition and, and what it means for General Assembly and for ADECO Group? Of course. Um, the acquisition is going very well. We closed the acquisition in May, and I will tell you, we're, we're working very well together. There's, there's de definitely a, a, a common culture and, and objective behind both companies. You know, as, as, you, as you might know, ADECO is the largest human capital company in the world. Uh, and in terms of what that means for them, uh, reskilling, upskilling, and talent development are now key parts of their offering around the globe. Uh, and, and when you compare them to the other large staffing companies, it's a, it's a large differentiator for what they give their clients. And for GA, uh, the relationship also means a lot. As you can imagine, we just talked about uh, the you know, our, our increased involvement working with employers. Well, ADECO has access to all the top employers in the world. Um, you know, their, their relationship with these leading employers is, is, is mind-boggling to me. Uh, and what it, what it also means to us is they're, they're, they're everywhere. In fact, I was just um, attended their global leadership conference in Lisbon last week, and uh, I met uh, the leaders from over 50 countries. So they're, they're extremely global. Uh, and what this is allowing us to do is enter new geographies around the world. Uh, we'll now actually be moving uh, into uh, programming that, that's outside of English. We, our business has historically just been focused on, uh, you know, delivering our programs in English. So we are now going to be translating our programs in numerous languages. Um, also because of their relationships, you know, we're going to be moving into uh, topic areas more than just in the, in the digital space. Uh, you can think about our model would work very well in healthcare. Uh, and ADECO has very deep relationships in healthcare. And it's going to allow us to try some new business models that really combine, you know, staffing, bench models with the power of reskilling. Um, so I will tell you, the opportunities to, uh, to, to be the leader in the future work are, are truly endless that now we're part of the ADECO group. Um, and, uh, and, and now the ADECO group can, can use GA to truly be its differentiator. So I will tell you, we're really excited about the future.
Well, great. Scott Kirkpatrick, President and Chief Operating Officer of General Assembly, now a business within the DECO Group. Uh, thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Scott. Next on this episode of the podcast, we're joined by Brian Knutson, a principal of EY and formerly the founder of Noggin Labs. Hi, Brian. Thanks for joining us today. Um, uh, let's uh, let's get uh, kicked off uh, today by uh, just can you tell us a little bit about Noggin Labs and um, and how you've evolved as a business since uh, since it was founded? Sure. Um, Noggin Labs is, as we like to joke, one of the kind of old timers in the online learning, digital learning, e-learning space, depending on how long you've been in this field. Uh, it was founded back in 1997, um, you know, during uh, the kind of CD-ROM era, you know, pre-internets and internets and, and all the wonderful things that we're all able to work on today. Um, and, you know, in the very beginning, we were founded uh, with a very small group, a couple of people who had this vision of what digital learning could look like, um, wanting uh, to bring some of the ideas that we back then we saw in a lot of the research, um, in particular out of areas like Northwestern University, um, to say, you know, can we actually change uh, how people behave in the real world through a digital experience and, and what type of experiences should um, people have and what type of content uh, can be built around that. So, you know, we had that vision for where it could go, but but back in the earliest days, certainly, um, you know, we were a, a bunch of uh, starry-eyed uh, instructional designers and learning scientists and, believe it or not, programmers. Uh, we kind of had that dual role. And um, uh, back in the very beginning, we were essentially just consulting in uh, to uh, different um, large organizations uh, to try to work on kind of one-off projects that they had, often around sales, um, sometimes around system simulations. And, you know, over those 21 years, that message really stayed constant. But what changed is that technology kind of revolved around that. And we were able to build um, an organization that was um, built around certainly instructional design, but also really heavily emphasized the uh, implementation of that instructional design. So a lot of graphic design for the, the learner experience, um, programming that can bring our ideas to life, and also even uh, creative writing is a big focus of what we do and still is, that um, you're able, if you're talking about building scenarios and stories online, that you're able to um, actually you know, put pen to paper outside of technical writing and kind of bring, bring those stories to life. Um, and you know, we've seen the trends ebb and flow, but we grew steadily as a built business, um, always pushing that, um, that idea that we really can impact what the learner does in the real world. And all of our designs and ideas are focused around that. So grew to uh, just over um, 50 people um, and, um, you know, focused on those results with clients. And, and we were able to, you know, win, I think a lot of folks know in this space, uh, the Brandon Hall Award certainly and won, you know, uh, a lot of Brandon Hall Awards and over, uh, over 100 awards in the industry uh, throughout the years. So uh, what does the acquisition by EY mean for Noggin Labs, and what does it mean for, for, well, for, for both the acquired company and, and for EY as, as the, the now parent? I think it means a lot uh, to both of us. Um, you know, EY was uh, committed to expanding their people advisory services, and that's essentially the group that really focuses on the people and um, wanted to really lean into that uh, idea of digital learning and having more training uh, offerings that are available in the marketplace based on an enormous amount of client demand. And what, where we found a really uh, great cultural fit between the two organizations that 
you know, both of us really want to achieve the same thing, but we had access to uh, different types of clientele and different types of transformations. So, um, whereas, uh, you know, Noggin Old, we had a lot of large uh, organizations, but we typically lived in that, you know, just in that learning department space, even if they were um, larger initiatives. Um, whereas, uh, what e, where EY lives is kind of that, that cross-functional area where it, they're talking about really transforming an organization. You can imagine uh, the changes that occur um, when there's a major workforce transformation uh, that you want to make sure that learning is a part of all of that. So if you're, if somebody's job is going to change, if their role is going to change, um, you want to make sure that, that you're really focused on how you can get them the new skills um, so that they can be continue to be successful on the job. So EY gets obviously, uh, you know, 50 professionals joining their people advisory services practice and the skills that we have, you know, to think through these learning um, needs very, very differently, but also it gives them, uh, gives EY the ability to kind of offer this up to clients on the front end to say, as part of this transformation, um, we're also going to be able to actually enhance the workforce. So it's, it's pretty exciting for both of us. And um, uh, Brian, what kind of uh, clients will you be able to reach now as part of EY that, that maybe you couldn't before? And, and can you give an example? Um, I can't give an example of specific clients, but I can just say at a high level, we actually uh, really lived in, in, a, in a similar space from the, the names of the clients and the size of the clients. What has changed is what we're able to do with those clients. Um, so what EY brings to the table is really just um, immersing learning services into just larger initiatives that you're, you're really changing the way people work um, across an entire organization. So we might be coming in um, as part of a, a large advisory change um, that without embedding and without having the capability of the people advisory services and learning services, you know, a lot of large advisory firms might have to stop there. Um, what, so it's, there's similar clients um, in that we both live, you know, in, in the whole range of uh, large and frankly mid-sized organizations that are out there. The difference is, is the type of work that you're building and who you're impacting is just a much broader scale within the, the EY world. Well, great. I think we'll uh, look forward with uh, some excitement about what the partnership will bring. And uh, uh, congratulations on the acquisition. I'm sure it uh, means uh, brighter futures and, and uh, even even more uh, potential for the business for you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we're very, very excited. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, Brian. All right. Thanks. Next, we're joined by Dean Pitchy, founder and CEO of Biz Library. Hi, Dean. Thanks for joining us today. Um, let's start out. Um, can you give us just a little bit of uh, history on uh, how Biz Library has evolved as a business since uh, 1996? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, we started the company in 1996 uh, with really uh, a simple goal, and that was to make video-based training uh, materials uh, available to small and mid-sized organizations up to that point. Uh, the video-based training resources were really priced outside of the, the budgets of those smaller organizations. So we created uh, a subscription plan uh, where organizations could subscribe to our library, not too dissimilar from Netflix, where they could check out uh, the video uh, VHS in those days or DVD uh, training programs uh, and uh, uh, borrow those programs and return them and exchange them for others uh, through the course of time. That the, the, the goal really was to make 
uh, high quality training affordable for those organizations that were uh, smaller, let's just say 50 to maybe 500 uh, employees. Great. Now, as we uh, talk today, um, we're talking in, in uh, relative recency to uh, an announcement that came out uh, talking about a uh, uh, what uh, what press releases put out by both Biz Library and Primus Capital uh, described as a major growth investment. So the quote unquote, the just words from the press release. I wonder if you can talk to us a little bit about the investment made by Primus into Biz, Biz Library um, and sort of explain, I don't know what... Uh, uh, detail about the investment you're, uh, you've made. I, 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 I have not seen an amount, I, I, so I'm gathering the amount uh, has, has not been disclosed. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But what does it mean for Biz Library? Yeah, well, um, we, we are excited to uh, bring on Primus as a partner to help us grow and expand our, our products and our uh, service to our clients. Um, a lot of things have changed since we started uh, Biz Library in 1996. Uh, you know, in 1996, we taught our children not to uh, talk to anyone on the internet and certainly don't get into a stranger's car. And now we all willingly summon a stranger to our house and get in their car. It's called Uber. Um, so technology has certainly changed uh, the world for uh, at work and at home and, and away from work. Um, we've also got demographic changes and as well as um, we finally have, I think in the training industry, we've, we have uh, the full focus and attention of our C-level um, being uh, not that with the, the millennials in our workforce demanding ongoing training and development as a part of the, the, the deal, if you will, uh, the C-level people are really concerned about how to attract and retain uh, great employees. So um, with that, uh, those changes and that increased attention, uh, we're seeing a huge opportunity in the marketplace as we've converted our business uh, to an online training business back to in the you know 2000. Um, and so um, having been primarily bootstrapped uh, from the beginning, uh, we decided going into this year that the market opportunity was, uh, was quite large. Um, we serve a market of organizations with 100 to maybe 2,500 total employees. It's a huge market with a huge uh, amount of green space ahead of us. And so uh, we felt like bringing in a partner who had uh, like Primus Capital that had helped hundreds of organizations uh, grow and, and expand their businesses um, would be helpful uh, throughout that process. Not only the access to the capital, but also access to uh, their expertise and advice um, as we build out our product line, expand our sales and marketing efforts um, to really try to help Biz Library uh, reach its potential. And you mentioned uh, the 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 sort of the shift in the learning and development uh, market uh, as as training is seen uh, more as a um, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm, I'm re referencing articles and and other conversations we've had here on the podcast about um, how. Uh, Corporate training is, is uh, some would say, finally getting a seat at the management table. Um, and so am I, am I hearing what you say correctly, that you're saying that, that because there's that link now between learning and development and the C-suite, um, that, that's, that's sort of opening the door for, for, for growth as training becomes a strategic partner in the business? Absolutely. I think the market for online training in particular is booming. Uh, not only do we have people converting 
uh, instructor-led training uh, into an online delivery format, but we, uh, you know, in the in the new digital world that we live in. But as you mentioned, we have employees that are demanding uh, uh, ongoing uh, and continuous learning in the workplace as a part of again the bargain of of employment. And so, with the support and and focus from the C level, uh, we see more and more interest uh, in uh, in outsourcing and, and offering training resources like uh, like the kind that we offer, you know, micro learning, video based courses with quizzes, support materials, uh, ongoing re reinforcement boosters and and interactivity and the customization of those resources. So uh, the demand for our products and services and solutions has really never been greater. And that's really what what led us to uh, the investment with Primus. Now, uh, moving forward with that investment, are there any new market areas or new products that you're uh, anticipating that you'll be moving into? Yeah, we got into the, we were initially, uh, Biz Library was initially an aggregator of uh, third-party content. Uh, and uh, in the past five years, we've begun to produce our own content. Again, not unlike Netflix with its proprietary content. Um, so we're gonna dramatically increase the pace of that proprietary production. Uh, so we intend to literally double our uh, proprietary content production in 2019 over what we've did, uh, we've done this year in 2018. Um, we're also going to expand our sales and marketing efforts um, as we, uh, you know, attempt to reach this growing market. All right. Well, Dean, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, it's been great to hear about Biz Library and uh, what's been going on and what's uh, what you're looking forward to in the new year. Thank you very much. And to wrap up this episode, Taryn sat down with Ken Taylor, the president of Training Industry, to talk with him about some of the business trends he's seen in the past year and what his expectations are in the next year in the corporate learning sector. Ken, what were some trends that you saw this year? Well, I think the biggest trend had to be the degree to which there was just a tremendous amount of capital investment into the market, and that that capital investment was really going towards technology and innovation. And that's an exciting thing for everybody in learning and development, because when money comes into a market like that, it gives us a great opportunity uh, for companies to revamp their, their product lines and, and better tailor those uh, portfolios of products to the needs of the market. One of the most interesting parts uh, is if you look at broadly the learning technology space, we've had really the, I think the crystallization of the concept of the learning experience platform um, really evolve out of the various develop delivery platforms that the market already had in place. Um, we've seen some really exciting things there where we brought together uh, several elements of what makes a great learner experience. It's starting to take into consideration uh, the multimodal reality of, of where learning and development is today and make, those, uh, make it easy for both administrators and learners to interact with the content. We've also really seen the use of AI come into the market, but really around recommendations about helping uh, uh, administrators or, or program uh, heads put together logical recommendations for each individual learner. And I think that whole use of AI has, has tremendous opportunity beyond what, what we've seen in 2018. And I think the third major area in the learning tech space is really this idea of adaptive microlearning. So taking into consideration uh, both the full library of content and the needs of the learner and trying to marry them in an adaptive form uh, to make better learning experiences. Okay, another, another key trend that we saw uh, in 2018 was the continued strength in, in topics like leadership, sales, and compliance training uh, in our marketplace. Um, those specific areas 
uh, continued to grow above the pace of the total market. Um, and we really saw a couple of key things happen in, in each of each of the different areas. Uh, leadership itself uh, continued to uh, think broadly about sustaining the impact of the programs that they put in place. We saw sales training uh, continue the evolution towards digital to making sure that every program has a leave behind and that the the changes that take place inside of an organization can be sustained. And we saw compliance start to evolve a little little bit away from the classic uh, check the box compliance training to being more proactive to prevent uh, issues that may show up in the workplace. A market that went through a significant amount of transition uh, in 2018 was really the IT training marketplace. We've seen a huge uh, uh, growth in some of the new forms of delivery of technical training with companies like Pluralsight. And we've seen some of the traditional uh, market leaders like Global Knowledge transform the way they're delivering their programs from a straight instructor-led training to a more blended approach. Another interesting trend that we saw emerge in 2018 is this concept of pre-boarding. It's really a new service offering that allows companies to come in and help upskill or skill to a competency uh, schedule new or prospective employees. When you see a gap in terms of a market, in terms of a skill set, this concept of pre-boarding allows companies to come in and prepare the candidate to start the new role. It's really extending the life cycle of an employee beyond their traditional start date and, st and starting to think about how organizations can help corporations train these candidates to be ready for employability day one. One other area uh, that saw substantial investment and really a big evolution in 2018 uh, was in, the, in what we call learning libraries. Um, these catalogs of learning experiences um, have really st began to transform. We're starting to see these companies uh, focus a lot more on the learner experience and making sure that the users, whether they be administrative or learners, have a much better experience in their platforms. They've been investing heavily in content refresh to make sure that the content they have in the library is the best possible content, regardless of the subject matter that we're focusing on. In fact, there's been a trend overall to amassing sort of best-in-class content in each one of these libraries, where the library itself actually becomes a domain expert or a topic expert um, and, and allows themselves to be coupled with other potential libraries to create the total experience. Um, this The evolution of the LXP has really made the market opportunity for you to become an expert in one specific content area and then have that content be rolled up as part of a total learning experience inside of a corporation. Here at Training Industry, we do uh, publish um, a great deal of top 20 and watch lists of companies that are in different training markets. And in 2019, we're going to uh, be exploring these topics in, in more depth. Ken, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, for me, it's really exciting. It's something that we've been wanting to get to for years, and that's putting together segment reports for each of the major areas that we focus on at Training Industry. I mean, historically, we've had the data uh, available to ourselves and have created both public presentations 
sessions, uh, the occasional webinar, the occasional uh, research report that would go out that would touch on some of the concepts um, that we learned when doing our market analysis. I think what's exciting about uh, 2019 is we're going to now make uh, some of that data available to anybody who's interested in, in uh, better understanding a given segment. We really, at our heart, training industry has always been focused on helping reduce the cost associated with having a sale or, or having a, a buyer and supplier interact and we think these segment reports will make it easier for buyers to better understand what the dynamics are in each of the the uh, the key market areas um, and and again uh, provide training industry an opportunity to showcase some of the key innovations that are happening in those segments all right great so everyone stay tuned for that and ken thanks for stopping by to chat that was my pleasure thanks for having me so to learn more about some of the deals and trends that drove the training industry in 2018 and to see more about predictions and trends for 2019, visit our website, trainingindustry.com. You can find some M&A analysis on the show notes for this episode and check out our 2019 trends report at trainingindustry.com slash trends 2019. Thanks for listening to the Business of Learning podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'd appreciate your feedback as well. Drop us a note at info at trainingindustry.com and please stay tuned for season number two. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at trainingindustry.com or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.